Hey, welcome to Friday's uh, podcast. You know, I, I was uh, I did a lot of thinking yesterday because we were having a bad storm here at the uh, at the ranch in the Mountain West, and uh, I went to a friend's house. And by the time I left his house, it, the, everything had changed. It was bright and sunny and nice, and it looked like a completely different place. That got me to thinking on my drive home through the uh, farmlands that I live around, and uh, I started the show with those reflections. And uh, you don't want to miss it. Also, we talked to Kirk Cameron. He's doing something special in libraries all across the nation. I want you to go to bravebooks.us, bravebooks.us, and uh, find out where this is happening. I urge you. There's a lot of things. You should really listen to this interview. There's a lot of things that have to be done in our local towns. Um, But we also talked about uh, another crazy, crazy story about Barack Obama. We talked about the goings-on of Donald Trump and so much more all on today's podcast. Don't miss a second. Brought to you by Relief Factor. If you're in pain, you know you've probably tried absolutely everything. If you're in severe pain, you've, you've probably been on all kinds of drugs and narcotics that just will whack you out. That's no way to live your life. You know it, and I know it. I can't live my life that way. How do I get out of pain? I tried all kinds of things for years. Went to all the best doctors. My wife said, have you tried this thing called Relief Factor? And I'm like, honey, that's not going to work. It reduces inflammation. I've got man strength pain. You know what I'm saying? And she wouldn't listen to me whine anymore if I wouldn't try everything. And so I did, not thinking that it would work. Three weeks later, I get off it arrogantly because I just think, I'm just feeling better. It's not this stuff. Soon as I stopped taking it, I mean, the pain just roared back. I take it every day now. And I'm telling you, it's changed my life. 70% of the people who take it go on to order more. May not work for you, but it's worth a shot, isn't it? relieffactor.com that's relieffactor.com or 800 the number four relief here's today's podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program driving through the rain rain, uh, to visit a friend, and it was a powerful storm just coming down in buckets. It was dark and stormy, and that was on the way there. Then I went into my friend's house, and I came out about three hours later, and it was bright and beautiful, and it looked like a completely different neighborhood. Nothing had changed except the storm had stopped, and the clouds began to part. On the way back, I was driving through this farming community. As it was bright and sunny, I saw people no longer cowering or running into their homes or their stores or avoiding the storm. But they were back to work as if nothing had happened. And they had recognized that the storm, the water that came from that storm, was a blessing. That storm made it so we could go on growing and feeding and helping ourselves, our families, and others. And as I was driving through the canyons, I began to think, and I got home, and I wrote some things down that I want to share with you. Because this week has been both the best of weeks and the worst of weeks. We have seen the lies that many of us knew were lies laid bare for the world to see and many americans finally going wait a minute what we have seen the brave step forward with nothing to hide 
yet a ton to fear. But we've also seen the depths of man's depravity, the arrogance of the elite, and the corruption of justice. We have witnessed the illusion of power. So I wanted to take a minute today and just shatter that illusion and remind you of the reality of who we are and what lies just ahead. But first, I, I want you just to take a second and breathe. Breathe deep. And then breathe in the spirit of the brave leaders who have carried us through the moments of triumph and uncertainty. Breathe in Washington at Valley Forge. Lincoln, who died to set men free. Breathe in the spirit of FDR, who fought the monsters overseas that actually believed in inferior races and useless life. He stood despite his wheelchair, the very thing that made them believe he was weak and useless made him strong and determined to see our ship through the storm. Breathe in the times we felt strength and hope from JFK and Ronald Reagan as the world inched closer to nuclear annihilation. Breathe in the brave Americans like Martin Luther King, who dared to remind us of our highest ideals, that all men are created equal, and doing it while knowing it may cost him his life, but knowing in the end it would set free the powerful force of an entire race, and in doing so would smash the shackles of racism, racism of all involved, white, black, brown, red, yellow. Breathe in the spirits of their resilience and their stories that remind us of the strength we all harness when we stand in unity. We're not strangers to adversity. And yet in the face of overwhelming odds, we're renowned for rising from the ashes of defeat, stronger, wiser, and even more united. Too many of us now doubt that this American unity that we found in the rubble of Pearl Harbor or the Twin Towers will be true again as we deal with what approaches. Do not doubt. Do not fear. The forces of darkness may feel powerful and in charge right now, but they are merely the whispers and the shadows and the echoes of ancient lies they will be defeated again but only when the truth is no longer held captive by fear our nation is the epitome of freedom the birthplace of freedom by being the birthplace of opportunity a beacon for those seeking the liberty to steer their own destiny the alluring prospect of freedom is not just a lofty ideal, but it is a living testament to the human spirit, one that stands antithetical to the constraints of Marxism and other failed ideas. 
Our great country rebukes such a doctrine that undermines the human essence, the inherent right to independence, the power to define one's own course. We're a nation built on the pillars of compassion and justice. Yet in these trying times, we seem to forget that compassion is our virtue, but it can be our vice. Because if it's left unchecked, if, if compassion is detached from eternal truths, this virtue will morph into a weapon of mass destruction. We have to strive to find a balance, nurturing empathy and compassion while adhering to the truths that have guided us thus far. The freedom to carve our own path also implies the responsibility to contribute, to work, to strive for excellence, not just personal gain, but to uplift our brothers and sisters. The American dream isn't solely about achieving personal success. In fact, I don't think it's attached to that at all. It's about charting your own course and about lifting all those around us, nurturing the collective good. We will lose our path if we don't recognize that it is high time that we restored our self-evident truths regarding gender, family, blind justice, integrity, and our basic human rights. These principles are the foundation of our society. And if we reinstate them, we will pave the way for the next great chapter of the American narrative. Freedom of speech and thought. They're pillars upon which our society rests. The ability to question, to seek truth, to challenge norms, define our human nature. Since birth, we as children have an in inherent curiosity, and that should never be stifled or restricted. Our capacity to ask why, what, how, that is the thread that weaves the very fabric of our being human and our drive to learn, explore, and grow. We stand on the precipice of demanding and times of trial, laden with complex questions and potentially tougher answers. But if we rally behind our Bill of Rights, we uphold personal responsibility and acknowledge that we are not infallible, that neither the corporations, the elites, the latest algorithm, nor governments are omnipotent. We can navigate this storm together, but we must simply acknowledge God remains God and we are not nor ever will be him. Kindness and understanding and the willingness to, uh, to embrace disagreement have been the lifeblood of our democracy. We've always been a nation that not only tolerates, but fights for the rights of those with divergent views to express themselves. This is uniquely American. This value is a testament to the strength of our commitment to freedom. As we face our challenges head on, 
We must remember the virtues and the values that set us apart on this continent. Let us be guided by our shared commitment to the freedoms that we hold dear. It's only this way that we can build a better future for all Americans. There is a new horizon waiting for us. It beckons us to recalibrate, to renew ourselves, and to chart a course that is reflective of the diverse, the vibrant, and resilient spirit that has always been quintessentially American. It's, it's our unity, not our diversity. Unity is our strength. Our commitment to the freedom of the individual to seize the opportunity that is just over the threshold of tomorrow. That's our anchor. With unity and the individual, with these, we'll write a new invigorating chapter in our shared American story. It's not going to be some internet mob. Some angry, misguided malcontents who march and burn and destroy, nor a puffed up army of government administrators or an all powerful executive. But it will be us, us as individuals in our own way, in our own lives, simply by uniting under the banner that we still hold these ideas as self evident truths that all men are created equal that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. And let me emphasize that this same government in the next line derives their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's you. That's not some distant pencil pusher you never voted for. Not some foreign body or collection of people who have absolutely no power in their forums. That's you. Break the shackles of the lies and illusions. Make a commitment to speak only the truths that unite us and have united us for centuries. Do all that you can do to restore the faith in one another again. Yes, we're different. Yes, we disagree. But we must unite on what we have in common. And those things are those self-evident principles. If you can't say that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, if you cannot agree with the Bill of Rights, heck, give me eight out of the ten. If you can't, if you can't speak the words that those words are true and the highest ideals that any country has ever espoused, and yes, we don't live up to it all the time. We have had very dark periods in our country, but we have also had unbelievable light. Whatever the government may have done from time to time, don't put that on my door. I wasn't born. I wasn't around. I didn't have the right to vote at that time. 
What the government is doing in my lifetime is a reflection of me if they answer to the people, which they no longer do. They are no longer restrained by the governed who give them their just powers. I haven't seen a just power in quite some time. Breathe in Washington. Breathe in King. Breathe in the good times. Breathe in the times where we were at each other's throats, but we came back together because we had a common purpose. I hear people on the right now talk about a new founding. An unrestrained executive. That we are too far gone. We need to forget and stop conserving what is good and start reimagining. Now, we do not need a new founding. We do not need a reimagining. We need a reset. We need a rediscovery. We need a recommitment. We need a restoration of truth, of God, and the power he gives each of us to rule over our own lives and our passions and our feelings. So many times I fear we're not going to make it. So many times I fear, I fear and feel like I felt in my pickup truck driving to my friend's house yesterday. Jeez, look at this storm. Look at the damage that it's doing. But I promise you, we'll weather the storm if we understand that it's temporary. That our fear is not real. If we curse the storm after the storm, we haven't learned a thing. I thank God for the storm. I thank God for the storms of my life. I thank God for all of the things that, oh, I've been through and you've been through. We all have our storms. We all have our problems. We all struggle. All of us struggle. Thank God for that. Because I am a stronger man and I'm a better man for that. Thank you for the rain. It has helped me grow. It washes away the dirt and the grime. It purifies. why we have baptism that's what that means it washes away all of the grime and the filth and you know why it works because those of us who have seen the change in our life needed the change in our life 
and we had faith that this water and being immersed in that water would perform miracles in our lives if we didn't believe if we didn't strive for if we didn't do the basic work that water would just be water The clouds are breaking. Shadows only exist because there is a light somewhere. And as the shadows grow more defined and darker and more menacing, realize that's only because the light has grown stronger. God is is very well aware of you. God knows who you are. He knows what your struggles are. When you recognize that he knows this and that the storms of our lives will make us better and put us into the situation to where we need to be if we will just not curse the storm. We can learn, and it will renew us. I worry so much about so many of our friends and family and you. I worry so much of those who are in the depths of despair and think there is no way out. That think their life is not worth living. That is the whisper of lies. Let's move forward together toward the promising horizon, knowing that all will be well in the end. We've done it before. And if we do it again, we will triumph. We will demonstrate to the world again the indomitable American spirit. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Kirk Cameron is uh, joining us now. Hi, Kirk. How are you? Hey, Glenn. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, appreciate you. And, and thanks for the compliment about all around good guy. But remember, I'm an actor. I could be faking this whole thing. <laughs> I know you well enough to know you are not faking it. Um, but Kirk, what you're doing with libraries, I think, is so important. The the American Library Association, every local library should distance themselves right now, and the people of the community should demand it. Get away from the American Library Association. They are, they are corrupt and going in the opposite direction. That's just my opinion. I don't want to make that your opinion. Well, I think your, your, your opinion uh, is uh, c- comporting with truth and reality. Uh, the director of the ALA is a self-described Marxist, and the, the, the lady that we've been tangoing with, who's the director of the Office of Intellectual Freedom and Diversity, is the one who has <laughs> been caught on video teaching librarians how to block American families, specifically families of faith, who like me and want to come with their children and read books to their kids tomorrow morning as part of our event uh, called See You at the Library. 
So the ALA uh, is is really teaching libraries all across the country how to break the law and engage in open religious discrimination. But as, as you know, uh, th- there's the divine hand of providence behind this whole thing, and the story just gets better and better because mm-hmm. it's only tripling and quadrupling the size of the audience. We now have 300 yeah, public libraries that are signed up for tomorrow, and that's representing 45 states across the country, and they're bringing thousands and tens of thousands of people into the library to read books that are about uh, true religion and virtue. These are the indispensable supports of America that will cause Marxism to be a thing of the past if it takes root again. So I I highly recommend. uh, Where can you get that list of what libraries are participating? uh, Go to bravebooks.com. That's bravebooks.com. Okay. Click on the, the tab called See You at the Library, and there's a map of the United States. You can just zoom in and find your state, your county, your libraries. And um, there's, again, over 300 of them. Uh, I I can't um, express enough to you, the listener, that please get involved in this. Please go tomorrow and make a uh, statement and an impact. Come in love and peace and unity and harmony, um, but make an impact in your library. And then don't let it rest there. Go to your city council. Go to your mayor. Go to your city leaders and insist that they get out of the American Library Association. There is no reason. It is just as dangerous, if not more so, than the, uh, the teachers' uh, uh, unions. They, are, they have been completely hijacked. No matter what they say, they are Marxist. They are teaching garbage to our children. They do not have the American values that we hold traditionally. I don't want to see any book burnings or anything else, but there are such a thing as appropriate books in appropriate sections. And I'm sorry, but America has always had, and people call us prudes for this. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There used to be beads at the door where you'd have to go in and you'd see things. We don't share those things with our children. We just don't do it. It's not healthy for them. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, with with you, Glenn. And it's so interesting. I mean, it's the height of hypocrisy, right? Those who are afraid of book burnings, those who are saying, hey, no, don't ban our books. Don't ban our books. We want to teach children pornographic material and and, and how to have sexual acts with with one another and change their genders and pronouns and all that. And yet they are the very same people who are wanting to block and deny access to families of faith who want to talk about faith, hope and love. Uh, but but I, I love the way all of this plays out because it's really firing up the parents and the grandparents. Uh, they're coming out in droves, pastors, uh, state senators like Marco Rubio and Ashcroft and Kramer and others. Uh, state governors are coming and participating, county commissioners, mayors. Uh, we have celebrities coming to read children's books at the libraries. And, you know, I, I want parents to, to understand that there is no more powerful position in the United States than being a mom or a dad or a grandma, or a grandpa. Change does not begin at the White House. It begins at your house. And Glenn, you've been a champion of this for decades. You celebrate freedom events. You celebrate love events. We've got to have a ground game and not be whiners. We've got to become winners by putting feet to our faith and our convictions. And that's what this Saturday is all about. 
And I will tell you, showing up is the first step. I'm going to check the uh, map uh, when we uh, finish here, Kirk, and I'm going to see if there's a library near me, and I will go uh, myself on Saturday. And I'd be more than willing to read one of the books uh, for the kids. But I, I will tell you this, Man. that um, it, it is so vital that you get involved and take back your libraries. I mean, I just did a huge fundraiser for a school and a library here in my uh, neighboring town for where my ranch is up in Idaho. And I'm going to ask the, uh, the uh, library board, are you members of the American Library Association? If so, why? Yep. Why? That should change. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and there are states that have already um, pulled themselves out of the ALA. And I've talked yes. to a governor uh, recently about doing the same thing. Many are already are in the process of doing that as well. And when you think about it, how crazy is it that you would block families from coming to your local library? Glenn, we, we have uh, three. I have three libraries I'm going to tomorrow. I'm getting in a plane and I'm going to three libraries in three states in one day. And one of them is in Alabama. Alabama just canceled the event. And they cited capacity concerns. Well, listen, we're polite. We stand in yeah. line. First come, first serve. People are happy to stand out in the rain in the parking lot. We've done it many times before. We just sing right. songs like God Bless America and we pray for each other. And they tried to cancel it again. And um, they're, they're, they're not right in doing that. And the crazy thing is libraries are becoming a bit obsolete and irrelevant to the younger generation with all of the ebooks and online learning options. And so yep. they should be grateful. Yep. They should be embracing this family-friendly movement that's bringing people to their libraries. Instead, they're so, they've drunk the woke Kool-Aid, they're so filled with fear or something that they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Yeah, I really, um, I don't understand the uh, use of the public funds for libraries um, when you can access every book ever written online. I mean, I like libraries. I think the printed book is very, very important. I uh, happen to agree with uh, Carnegie uh, when Carnegie built libraries all across the country and he, he built them in poor cities and he gave them the library of the king, what the king had in his library at that time. So that way, every single American, no matter how poor, could have the education of a prince or a king mm. and change their mm. status. I believe in all of that stuff, but I got to tell you, when the library is no longer a place that you can go in and learn and learn how to learn, how to ask questions, how to compare in contrast to say, wait a minute, they say this, they say this, which one is true when it is being guided yeah. down the path of evil and uh, and just grotesque ideas like pedophilia uh and and mutilation of our children i'm sorry why am i paying for that i don't believe in it yeah I, I, why am i paying for no. it no boy i i sure agree and, and and this really gets us down to our, our our fundamental ideas about what is good and what is evil what is light and what is darkness and when we uh when we when we unhitch ourselves when when we disconnect from those transcendent values those those heavenly principles that god's given us uh, we, we just we spiral out of control into uh, a moral swamp and uh, a, a darkness that we 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 become we become so used to it that we think it's normal. And this young generation is growing up that way. They desperately need us to get back in the game 
and rescue them and bring them back to the, their blessing and their protection. And Glenn, I appreciate you and all that you do uh, and have been doing for decades to, to help us see that. Well, Kirk, I thank you very much as well. And I have, I have to tell you, you have two children's books out as you grow. And this one, I just love, I've wanted to talk to you for a while now and just say, thank you for saying this. Your other book is Pride Becomes, uh, Comes Before the Fall. I have been saying that for a while now where it's like, we, we, we need to be humble and pride isn't it interesting yes. that the left is pushing pride when we know that's a deadly sin we know that's a deadly yeah, sin what imagine? are we doing yeah you, you <laughs> we were just listening to that ad on your program here about pride parades could you imagine if uh if we just swapped it out for some of the other deadly sins and and we had um yeah. sloth <laughs> parades let's have some greed parades some gluttony parades and some lust and envy parades and and yep. pride is the pregnant mother that gives birth to every other form of evil. Pride separates us from each other in marriage, in relationships with our kids. Pride separates us from God. We got to humble ourselves. That's the pathway to blessing and love and Amen. relationship. Kids should know that. Amen. Kirk, it's good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. And it's good to talk to you. And, and I follow what you're doing and I, I salute you. Thank you so much. Well, you as well, Glenn. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. And um, everybody, if you get a chance, find a library, go there and join this movement of recapturing the hearts and minds of our kids. God bless you. And it's bravebooks.com, bravebooks.com, where you can find uh, where there is a library near you. Kirk, thanks. God bless. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Last Wednesday night show, you can find it on my YouTube page and you can watch it on Blaze TV in the archives. It is my Wednesday night special and it is involved uh, deeply in what is happening for 2024 and how the the Democrats are building a machine. And, you know, uh, they're open about it, but the Republicans refuse to do anything about it. The left has built this electoral machine, uh, but it could never be so potent without the changes that were made during the pandemic. Things like early voting and, um, you know, mass mail-in balloting. It was also supposed to be temporary fixes. That's what they've said. But that was the crap the left was shoveling. And we told you at the time, they're never going to go away. It will never go away. The end result is one of the most unprecedented elections in history where the ballots were flying in like confetti in a parade for an astronaut. Uh, and with that in context, it kind of puts the left's extreme draconian response to COVID in an entirely new light, doesn't it? The American conservative recently published a piece on the left's plans for 2024, and it said this. It was never about protecting Americans from the coronavirus. It was always about seizing power. If conservatives are to win in 2024, they must be all in. That starts by understanding the left's playbook for meddling with 2024. I agree. 
And, you know, I'd like to say it's not like there is a playbook out there, but there is a playbook out there that everyone can read. Back in February, the Washington Post editorial board highlighted five things that should be done to increase public confidence in the next election. It was, you know, pretty much yada, 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 testing voting machines, et cetera, et cetera. But the Washington Post didn't come up with these ideas. They were endorsed with the work of a left-leading nonprofit called the New Deal Forum. Have you ever heard of that? They're all about providing, quote, more than 40 specific action steps that officials should take ahead of the 2024 presidential election, highlighting the vital role state and local officials play in our elections, including where, how and when Americans can vote. Now, there's not a whole lot out there on this organization, and that's really surprising because they are insanely connected. If you scroll through their list of leaders, it includes Stacey Abrams, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Chris Coons. The laundry list goes on and on of senators, representatives, mayors, council uh, members, school board members, judges, gubernatorial staff spread out all over the country. And it's kind of odd for a small, underreported organization. Whatever is really going on, they are clearly leveraging their vast influence. They recently published the list of states that are implementing their ideas. The states, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico, Minnesota, and Michigan. Some of those states look kind of important if we want to win in 2024. So with all this influence and success, what's their ultimate plan? Well, let's look at their playbook, which they have. It is actually called the Democracy Playbook. It includes measures that would fully transform how Americans vote. Page 17 and 18, voter registration would completely change. They want automatic voter registration. It can be done online on the same day as the vote. There's no way anyone would ever be able to take advantage of that, right? It's totally secure. It would also allow pre-registration for kids who are 16. So when they turn 18, they're all ready to go. Now, this is totally not the preamble for 16-year-olds to eventually vote. Sure, I'm surely that's not what this is really about. No, because there hasn't been legislation in- introduced to get that ball rolling. Oh, wait. The playbook also includes expanding early voting, uh, doubling down on absentee mail-in voting, plopping down uh, more of those totally secure uh, drop boxes. And look at this, legislation to make sure that 16-year-olds can vote. Because the playbook says the AP told us they're secure, they're secure, and we're not supposed to question, just just know that it's the experts are telling you. These are all of the temporary solutions brought in for the pandemic. But now they want this to be the new and permanent system. And why wouldn't they? This is the culmination to the plans they have been building and perfecting for over a decade. Democrats of a hundred organizations like the Voter Participation Center targeting groups by the millions. And what do we have? Mitch McConnell? 
Until we get our butts in gear and strengthen election systems in every single community and every single state, we have no choice but to play the left's game here. We need to triple down on how the left is using mass mailers to targeted areas like battleground states. The numbers are extremely clear. This is how they won in 2020 and 2022. We haven't even started and they're still changing the laws to skew to make it all worse. Listen, I don't want to black pill you. I don't want to leave you with just bad news. But I started the program today with a monologue that if you missed, you should go back and listen to it wherever you get your podcast. But this is what I said two hours ago. We can navigate this storm together. Together. We stand on the precipice of demanding times, laden with complex questions and potentially tougher answers. But if we rally around our Bill of Rights, uphold our personal responsibility, and acknowledge that we are not infallible, but neither are the corporations, the elites, the algorithms, nor governments. They're not omnipotent. God remains God, and we are not him. That's the first thing we have to do. That's how we write a new chapter in our American story. Pay no attention to the internet mob, the angry, misguided malcontents who march, burn, and destroy, or to the crazy reporters on networks that are telling you out-and-out out lies and to deny what you have just seen. It's not going to be changed by a puff-up army of government administrators or an all-powerful executive, no matter what anybody tells you. What's going to change this country is us. And I don't just mean conservatives. I mean all of us living our own lives, simply doing the next right thing and uniting under the banner that we all still hold these ideas as self-evident truths, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. You know all of this. You must live your life this way. You must understand that the next line is, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, and they derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. So. We are the ones that give them this power, and it's only just power. When, is you, when have you seen just power recently? By the way, the governed, that's you. Not some distant pencil pusher that you never voted for. Not some, you know, uh, NGO that strips you of another right or opportunity under cover. That's not the American governmental power, and it's not just. We have to increase our efforts in exposing the deep state, not get blackpilled by all of it. Know who God is and know that he is involved in our lives, and he is deeply involved in the rights of men. There are people in places like the FBI and DOJ and State Department and all over the rest of the bureaucracy that have their own agenda. It is not a just or American agenda. That agenda has nothing to do with the will of the people. 
the consent of the governed. They can't get these things done because you know they're wrong. So they have to rig the system. They have to dismantle the American system that has restraints on the federal government, on the state government, the local government, because the power comes from you. Exposing them works. This week has been an amazing thing. It's been an amazing time. I I have at the same time been so depressed. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Look at how sloppy these people were. This mob, the mob should be in, insulted that they call themselves a mob. It's, it's like the Keystone Cops. They're so sloppy and arrogant. And I can't believe that we have had whistleblowers come out. And they aren't undercover. We know their names. We couldn't know the names against Trump, but we know these guys. And they are under fire and they are in danger. And they stood up. What happened with Devin Archer this week is incredible. But the good news is people are seeing it and more and more people every day, slowly, but they are seeing it. Exposing this works. We're seeing it in real time with the Biden crime family. You have the power to change all this, but you won't soon. If you don't go to your local GOP, I mean your local GOP, and start strategizing on how you are going to make sure those ballots are confirmed, they are verified, and only people who can be verified are to vote. You must sign up for this. Go to your state. You've got to stop the erosion of your governance, your own governance over the federal government. They get the power from you. It's time we govern over them and say no. Na, 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 na.